live from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. Now, just last week, Saudi Arabia suspended foreigners' entry for the Umrah pilgrimage and tourism from countries where the new coronavirus has spread. As a growing number of cases outside China deepens fears of a pandemic. Now, Saudi Arabia, which hosts the two holiest sites of Islam, and that is Makkah and Medina, welcomes millions of Muslim visitors throughout the year with a peak for the Hajj pilgrimage. It has introduced a new tourism visa last October for 49 countries. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Saudi Arabia said in a statement last week that the Umrah suspensions were temporary but provided no time frame for its expiry. It remains unclear if Hajj, which is scheduled to begin in late July, would be impacted by the coronavirus. Now, entry has also, of course, been suspended for visits to the Prophet's Mosque in Medina. So that's our burning issue tonight. We are going to be looking at the coronavirus and what it means for people who want to go on Umrah. We'll have a host of guests in studio and on the phone. We will also be talking, we're hoping to talk to the Western Cape Health Department, of course, to get a local angle and perspective on this. And, of course, we will have in studio representatives from the South African Hajj and Umrah Operators Association and also the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association to talk to us about how this has been impacting on people who want to go on Umrah. And then, of course, we welcome you to participate in our show as well. You can give us a call if you are being impacted or affected by this or if you have an opinion to share. The live on-air number is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. And then you can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-38, or rather 072-238-0712. Our WhatsApp number is 072-238-0712. Now we're hoping to, like I said, speak to the Western Cape Health Department because it's very important for us to set the tone and to understand from a local perspective what's happening. Now for those of you who are not aware, the um, or for anybody who hasn't heard about the coronavirus, now this is something or rather a, a virus that has found or started in China, right? But it has spread from there. Now, the virus broke out in Wuhan late last year and has since infected more than 86,500 people, mostly in China. And outside of China, it has in recent days spread rapidly, and this is according to news reports from the news agency Reuters, it has in recent days spread to 53 countries with more than 6,500 cases and more than 100 deaths. 
it's spread to Europe as well, where Italy has 1,694 cases. The vast majority in the wealthy northern regions of Lombardy, Veneto and Emilia Romana. Now we're going to welcome a local health official to the show now. We're speaking to Keith Kluter and it says here that he's the incoming head of the Western Cape Health Department. Keith, good evening. Did I get that right? You got it right, Good evening to you and good evening to the listener. So, Keith, uh, for our locals, I mean, we need to understand. Let us first actually understand the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, what do we know about the coronavirus? Um, what we know, and what is becoming more clear to us, that it is a a it's a novel virus. But what people have done, uh, and I've been able to identify now, it is very close to the SARS virus that was around a couple of years ago. So it is novel. That means it's a new, a new uh, variation of the virus. But it is very similar to the SARS virus of, of, of recently. The difference with the SARS virus and this one is it is less um, pathogenic than the SARS virus. That means it is, it's causing a milder type illness. But the difference is that it spreads much faster as the SARS virus um, spread when it came out uh, um, about 10 years ago. And how is coronavirus transmitted? How do you get coronavirus? Well, the biggest transmission transmission is through droplet and through inhalation. That means if I cough, I put a whole lot of um, spit uh, and cough in the air, and somebody else inhales it. So it is, it is transmitted mainly like the ordinary flu and the ordinary colds that we all have. If you come into contact with somebody that has a flu and cough and they sneeze or they cough, somebody that has flu and they sneeze or cough, that's the way that you normally get the flu or cold, common cold from somebody else. And it, can also be, it can also be from it being on the surface. So if, if somebody wipes their hands and the virus is on their hands and therefore you shake somebody else's hand, so hand contact is also where it is. And if somebody sneezes or coughs and it lands on the surface and you, you wipe your surface with your hand on it, you can also get it. I mean, that's really super easy to get. Very easy to get, like any cold or flu. Yeah. And what are the symptoms of the coronavirus? How, do, how does one know that you've got this virus? Well, it would be very similar at this point in time to how a flu and a, a, flu and a cold would, would, would show up. So the symptoms would be either you get a fever and with a bit of like fills, uh, or you have a cough or a sore throat. Or a combination of those, and that's the way that a normal flu would actually up and show up in any one of us at this point. So now, while the coronavirus has caused death and alarm globally, should there be a great cause for concern here in South Africa? What is the likelihood of the coronavirus entering our borders? Um, it is that we are part of the global village, so we are very much part of the world, and the world is very interconnected. So the movement of people is, is very much 3D across borders and into our country, the World Health Organization has made it uh, what they would call everybody should be on very high alert um, because the likelihood of it spreading to any country in the world is very high at this point in time, including South Africa. You mentioned the word borders. What precautions or preparations are underway within South Africa and even the Western Cape at our borders to ensure that persons entering is in fact either quarantined or perhaps even scanned for this virus? Yeah. So, as you mentioned, and, and you know, you, you got all of those information from the WHO, I'm assuming, where the, all the cases are. As you mentioned, um, mostly where cases are reported. So, for instance, I can tell you in the past 24 hours, 
and there were six new countries where there were new cases. You know, so Armenia, Chechnya, the Dominican Republic, like Luxembourg, Iceland, Indonesia. So it just shows you that in the last 24 hours, it's pitched up in six new countries. And that picture will change day by day. So, but still for us, the biggest risk, because in Africa, there's a third case that came this, uh, today. There's a case in Senegal as well. There's cases in Algeria, Senegal, and, 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 and in Egypt. The, the, the biggest case for us is not so much cross-border cross from neighboring African countries. Our biggest risk at this point in time is flights coming from not only the Far East. A couple of weeks ago, four weeks ago, people were worried about flights coming from the Far East. At this point in time, um, you just mentioned Italy, flights coming from Europe and from other places where there's free transmission between people. Um, that is our risk. So our biggest risk currently is Oliver Campbell and the Cape Town International Airport. Um, there's a, a minor risk at the, at the border and harbor, but that is, that is very much controlled because ships have to actually report themselves before they come in. Um, and that is under control. We get very good protocols for that. So the biggest risk currently is people getting off flights, coming into the country from Europe and from other countries where there is a free transmission. And what we currently have at the airport is um, staff that takes temperature of people, put them through a body scanner, and also ask them uh, a question to say from which country you come. Because the symptoms that we're looking for is not just the symptoms of a flu or cold, but also recent travel history that suggests you could have been in contact with somebody that comes from those areas. And that's what we then high level of index of suspicion at our airports to say whether a person should be under investigation. And we're looking for people to be under investigation and then isolate people, not isolate, get them at the airport to say these are the people that we should test um, for the virus. And is it sort of like a spit test? How do you actually test for it? Yeah, it's a throat swap. So pump somebody puts a, throw, uh, a swap at the back of your throat. Um, and that's what we then put in a container and seal and send off to the laboratory, which is the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. It's a, a laboratory in, um, in Gauteng. And it's, one, it's only one or two, one or two um, laboratories in Africa that's accredited to do this, this lab at this point in time. So while that sort of sample is sent off to Gauteng, what happens to the traveler who landed at uh, Cape Town International Airport? Is that person held away from other people? How, how does that work? Yeah. So our current uh, thing is, and um, we've had a few of these cases. We've tested up to about 30 in our province already, and all of them came back negative. What we do is, because we have a high index of suspicion that the person might be, um, have it, and we can only rule it out after we get the case back, we then isolate the person. So in many cases, we actually take the person to the hospital. We've got facilities for that. And in other cases, we, we, you know, so, so we, we, we make sure that the person is then isolated from others. And we also then keep track of the people that the person has been in contact with. So depending on the confirmation of the test, we will then go back and follow up. As I said, all the cases we've tested to date have been negative. I mean, not to sound pessimistic, but I mean, I've had interaction with public health facilities and hospitals. I mean, are our hospitals prepared for this? Because when you talk about travelers coming in with a slight cough, this could be hundreds of people. And very often the queues, the waiting times, the, 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 even the space within the public hospitals, you know, can be quite limited. So what we, what we have is that you would imagine there's a high index of alertness and this. And it would be completely counterproductive for somebody that has a travel history 
that has a flu in the cost and says that I think I've got, um, I, I might be exposed to coronavirus. We advise people firstly to call, there's a hotline number, a national hotline number, and they advise them what to do. But we also advise people to call in a local health facility and explain to somebody to say, look, this is the symptoms I've got. I think I want to come for a test and then make special arrangements. So we're not going to make somebody sit in a big crowded waiting room where they can infect other people. We will make special arrangements and redirect people into spaces. We currently have a preparedness program which at every single hospital, every single primary facility in terms of their preparedness. And they all have what I would call a local preparedness plan, which means if somebody calls, they will redirect them, take them out of contact with somebody else and create a special line for people to be tested in that way. Mm-hmm. Because we've not got confirmed cases, we are preparing for that eventuality, and the number of cases coming forward is not that many at the moment. Because if you take a proper history, you know, you check where's the symptoms, where did you travel, did you come into contact with somebody? Some people might think they've been exposed, but the, the, the history does not quite support the strict definition of to be qualified as somebody under investigation. Yeah. You know, the other thing is now our listeners, of course, interact regularly with us via the WhatsApp line. And listeners, thank yep. you for your messages. The WhatsApp line is 0722380712. One of our listeners, 5923, says, and this is a question that one could expect. The listener wants to know, how do we know the Chinese shops in the area are not contaminated as we are doing business with Chinese people? Your feedback would be appreciated. Now, of course, that's also making an assumption about people. But, I mean, you know, the virus originated in China. Some people might have this mm. this feeling. Oh, do you have any, any feedback on that? Yeah, I think, you see, um, I think that was part of the initial thing. And, and I think it's a good question because people are asking it. So we are actually, and that's why we had this, this conference yesterday, and we are now, um, you know, putting up a website, and maybe I can just also just, you know, afterwards or somewhere get to the person and just make it available to your, to your listeners. We're encouraging people to go to um, a website with trusted information. The frequently asked questions will be there. So one of the key things now is... Um, the history is that the, the virus originated in China. And it was, you know, one of the questions was, how was it? It's probably human contact with bats, because we know it, the virus lives in bats, and it's still human in contact with bats, and they're still not quite clear with exactly where it originated from. But these areas it may, the moment it jumped from the bat to the human being, and from the human being to the next human being, it is now a human trans. sorry, a human-to-human transmitted virus. Therefore, it will only be, it's, it's not to do with where exactly, it's not to do with the fact that it is in China. It's got to do with a specific region in China and where the people have been exposed to human-to-human contact. And as you've read rightfully now, it's not limited now to China because it is now in, in Italy. It yeah. is in other countries. In yeah. Yeah. So it is human-to-human transmission. So the fact that there is a Chinese shop here has got nothing to do with the fact that there is a, a province in China where there is a human to human transmission. Yeah, because that person may have been in South Africa for the last two years and not years. been in that area. My last, yeah, my it. last question, because we have just a minute before we have to break for, for prayer time. Um, yeah. Just a quick question is, um, listener 1053 says, relatives are arriving from South Korea soon. How will they be screened? If you can quickly just let people know before we wrap for our break. So uh, they will become in South Korea. It's one of the areas where there is an outbreak. When the plane arrives, they will be at the airport. They will be subjected to temperature screen. They might be subjected.
your body screen and a questionnaire. And after all of that questionnaires, they will release. They will be released if there's no symptoms or there's no clear indication that they've had any contact and meets the case definition to be investigated. Mm-hmm. Keith Kluter, incoming head of the Western Cape Health Department. Thank you so much for your time on Burning Issue. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Yazid, and to all your listeners. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. I can tell you that the show is certainly going to get quite heated up now. Um, I have heard from a caller who phoned in. She did not want to speak on air, but the coronavirus is actually very real and very scary. A caller phoned me during the break and she explained to me how none of her family members want to visit her. She said that she'd been traveling to Asia with some other family members and when she came home with uh, she got, arrived at the airport she was checked and there was no uh, sort of virus detection or anything and she said suddenly nobody wants to come and visit her she said she's been crying for the last two days at home guys if you've been traveling from asia share with us your experience what's been happening of course i have to put out the disclaimer the views expressed in this program are not the views of the voice of the cape it's management or staff this is a public platform we share information to empower our community and of course we welcome our community's interaction and feedback on burning issue every week the live on air number is 021-442-3530 that is 021-442-3530 so you can give us a call if you have any questions and you can also send us a number to the whatsapp line 072-238-0712 we now come to something closer to home so following the news that south africans will not be able to perform umrah and this is after a global suspension of travel to the Saudi kingdom, that is Saudi Arabia, due to the coronavirus outbreak. A meeting was held last week to discuss what happens next. And the meeting was held by the South African Hajj and Umrah Operators Association, which confirmed that Saudi Hajj ministry suspended Umrah visas for the upcoming Umrah season. And this has placed enormous pressure on local Umrah operators. And there is uncertainty on how it will impact on booked flights to Saudi Arabia. So we will now have guests, uh, President of Sauk, that is the uh, South African Hajj and Umrah Council, Shaheen Esop, will be coming on the show now. And in studio we also have Sadiq Stienkamp, and he is the chairperson of SATOA, which is the South African Hajj and Umrah Operators Association. Assalamu alaikum, good evening, welcome to Burning Issue. Alaikum assalam rahmatullah. Let's start with Shaheen on the phone. So, can, can you give our listeners an update on, on exactly what the Saudi Arabian government has said about Umrah pilgrims wanting to travel to Makkah and Medina? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to you, to the listeners, and to Sadiq in studio. Um, I think it's very clear, it's, uh, you know, very concise. Um, as a result of the coronavirus, uh, the Saudi authorities has basically halted all entry for Umrah into the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia um, temporarily. They haven't given an indicative date as to when they're going to uplift this. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, no Umrahs are going to be performed at this particular point in time. 
Um, we're waiting for more information to come from there. And um, I'm sure you may have seen um, over the last 24 hours um, that the first coronavirus case has actually been reported um, out of Riyadh in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So that in itself, um, you know, is cause for concern. But um, until we know for sure what the, uh, the outcome is going to be, um, it's status quo where it's a temporary ban and uh, we wait for information insofar as that is concerned. Over the weekend, uh, we've also seen information that the uh, Saudis have indicated that any persons who had already get, had their visas issued will have full refunds of those visas um, if those visas are obviously not used. So they need to basically get in touch with the operators, the accredited operators that they've utilized, in order to ensure that they can start the process for a visa refund from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, inshallah. Do we have an idea of how many South Africans were planning to go on Umrah and who may have already had made travel arrangements and had their visas? I think Brother Sadiq would be in a better position to answer that because uh, they've been in touch with their colleagues um, you know, in the travel fraternity. And as a result of that, um, you know, more information would probably be, be forthcoming from Satawa. Yeah, let's hear from Sadiq. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum to everyone and to Shaheen on the in Johannesburg. You know, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, you know, with, um, with March being a, a, a big Umrah month normally uh, for South Africans, uh, you know, our estimation is the, the, the people still to leave, people have made arrangement, is well within 1,500 to 2,000 people. Um, the people that had already left, there isn't that much people that left, you know, last week we had a flight coming back uh, into, Cape Town, into Cape Town of almost just about 50 people. So in terms of people having left with valid Umrah visas that had been cancelled, not that many at the moment. Okay, now let's look at the impact that this will have on um, the actual people who may have booked but haven't left it. I mean, do we know that there are many people who have already booked for Umrah? Do they now have to cancel? We need to keep people informed, obviously. Yes, of course, last week um, the uh, South African uh, Travel Hajinuma Operating Association, you know, we met with all our members and uh, we spoke to our, uh, our counterpart Samta as well with regards to the amount of people and people who's already booked. At this stage, of course, there's no uncertainty, there's no Umrah. So Umrah uh, at this in point in time is cancelled. Nobody uh, you know, will, will leave because there are no visas that can be issued. And any valid visa that had been issued had been summarily cancelled. So what we are doing at the moment, we are, of course, talking to all Tamerin on a continuous basis. We are also talking to service providers like the airlines, uh, the hoteliers. And uh, in terms of uh, visas that had been issued already, you've seen a directive uh, from uh, the Saudi government that uh, the visas will be refunded. Of course, all of these things is a process. It will take time. But inshallah ta'ala. And uh, we are talking to all our concerned uh, clients and making sure that maximum consideration and convenience to everybody. What money will I lose if I've booked a plane ticket and accommodation via a travel agent? Well, at the moment, every airline has got different rules. You know, so DIS came out to say that, you know, group tickets that they will uh, refund in full. Um, Turkish Air, um, Emirates, um, uh, those are our, our major carriers at the moment. Um, we are talking to them in terms of, of how they uh, are able to refund or to reschedule flights. Okay, so it means um, 
for the airlines, they'll pay back the the pilgrims. They'll pay back people who have booked, right? Is that what you're saying? Certain airlines. Yes, they would pay back or they would reschedule without cost. Okay. Of course, that depends on when the Saudi government reopens the... Yes, of course, at this stage, I mean, we cannot, we cannot make any arrangements until we know uh, what the exact um, reopening date would be or when the suspension would be uplifted. Mm-hmm. And in terms of other costs, I mean, just so that people are aware... In terms of our tallies in Makkah, Alhamdulillah, I mean, you know, as accredited operators, uh, we deal on a continuous basis with those, uh, you know, operators and our tallies out there. So they are able to keep the credit there. You know, nobody likes to give money back, but they would keep the credit so that uh, you can use it, you know, as time go on, uh, inshallah ta'ala, and uh, that way, you know, use the money that's available in the kingdom. In terms of um, visas, only those visas that had been issued, and there aren't many, you know, from the 1st of Rajab, you can only issue a visa 15 days before the time because that is the validity period. So in terms of your March Umrah, you'd have found that most of the visas weren't issued, so there weren't any cost involved. Uh, but for those visas that is going to be refundable, there will be a process in place. And then, inshallah, of course, you know, we hope that uh, that monies would be all be refunded back into our uh, IBAN accounts, inshallah ta'ala. And then, of course, you know, we would be able to refund um, uh, all the Mu'atamirin. I think, you know, our, 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 our biggest concern and, and our negotiation are with the airlines, uh, because that is quite a process involved. Okay. Um do do we have a caller? No. Okay, let's go for a quick ad break. We do have a number of questions to follow up on. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Azid Kamaldin. We are talking coronavirus and Umrah and how it's affecting our local community. Now, there are various questions coming through on the WhatsApp line. Listener, shukran is always for, for participating in the show. You can definitely message us to the number 072-238-0712. You can also give us a call live on air on 0214-423-530. Our guest on the line is Shaheen Esop. He's president of SAUG, that's the South African Hajj and Umrah Council. And our guest in studio is the Dixian Camp and he is the chairperson of the South African Hajj and Umrah Operators Association. So let's get to some of the questions from our listeners. Um, Shaheen, this is probably a question for you. Uh, listener 3773 says or asks, is it true that there are South Africans that were on Umrah before this outbreak and that they cannot leave Saudi Arabia? Now, I think that, uh, you know, we, we're hearing too many things and there's too many uh, conspiracy theory stories going around at the moment. Yes, there are people in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia from South Africa and other parts of the world. Uh, we've heard nothing untoward in relation to them having to come back when their due date is to return after their visas obviously expire. Uh, we in close contact with the Saudi authorities. We're also in close contact with our consul general's um, office in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and our embassy in Riyadh. And uh, we've had absolutely no contrary or contradicting, um, you know, reports as far as that is concerned. The ban, or shall I say the block, is for people coming in for Umrah as of last week and Thursday. There's absolutely no necessity why 
Saudi Arabia would want to detain those people there, unless, of course, people who are going to be tested and are tested positive for the coronavirus would then be kept in quarantine. But at this particular point in time, there is no such news, and people will be coming home, inshallah, after the visa period is complete. Yeah. So here's another question from listener 9218, and it's maybe a question for the association, the oversight body of travel agents. Um, The listener wants to know, will people who left and came back also be refunded fully? Now, this is maybe a particular case that's being referred to, perhaps pilgrims, people who wanted to go on Umrah may have traveled a certain distance and then were turned back because they could not now enter Saudi Arabia. Um, let's ask Sadiq. Yeah, I think this happened last week. Uh, I think these people were on Emirates on their way for Umrah. And uh, on, on, on their journey, you know, the, the announcement was made and uh, they were turned back from Dubai. They couldn't enter the, the, the kingdom. Now, in terms of the, the, the refund process, of course, we've heard the Saudis will be refunding um, the, um, you know, no, the, the visa. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the group dealing with the hoteliers uh, would, would be able to, to use the credit that they've got there in the kingdom for the hoteliers. In terms of them using the, uh, the, the ticket on Emirates, I think that is something that uh, the particular group has to take up with Emirates because a certain leg had been uh, used already. Yeah, I mean, we do also have uh, messages coming in from persons who are in fact impacted by that. People who have, they said they have traveled via Emirates and um, they actually want to know about why they had to pay an extra 9,000 rand. But I mean, that's something that those specific travel agents need to answer, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, let's get to our other questions. Let's look at what other um, people are asking. Um, if there's anything that's valid, rather, because there are a number of other kind of comments coming through as well. I mean, I think I think it's it. What is it now? A sort of like a, a wait and see game, Shane. Now we have to just wait and see how the virus plays out. I mean, this is a global threat. People are actually dying. I, I think that you know what people need to understand is two things. Everybody's wish is to go and stand in front of the Baytullah or stand in front of the cover of our beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But there's a hadith of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he says that when a virus breaks out or something happens in a particular place, you can't go in. And if you are in, you, can't, you shouldn't return out. So that, is, that is a hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But I do think people need to understand that what the Saudi authorities have done is the best thing that could have been done from a perspective of the elasticity of the spreading of the coronavirus. Let's just put, you know, uh, a little bit of, of thought into this whole discussion. We understand that people go to the Kaaba, they go and make tawaf, especially during the days of Jumu'ah. There's a multitude of people there, thousands of people there. If at least 500 people get infected with the coronavirus and go to different parts of the world, you can just imagine how fast the coronavirus would spread around the world. And that, unfortunately, then becomes the reality of the problem that you are sitting with and the exacerbation of the issue that is actually at hand. So until such time as they've got their quarantine centers in place, alhamdulillah, a few days ago, they've indicated that 25 hospitals throughout the country is very well equipped to deal with coronavirus issues. Um, they've uh, basically upskilled their people. They've um, stocked up with whatever they need to do. And they've got the quarantine processes in place in those areas. But at the ports of entry and exit, 
is where the necessity basically took place. And I think that is what is currently in the process of being done. And as a result of that, we wait for more information. As mm-hmm. said earlier, we're in close contact with the authorities in the kingdom. We're in contact with our uh, with the Saudi embassy here in Pretoria. And as soon as more information becomes forthcoming that is going to be positive or negative in whichever way, it certainly will be disseminated to the public out there. Yeah. I want to welcome Ismail Aliya to the show. Now, he's the secretary at the South African Muslim Travel Association. He has been on the show before. Ismail, welcome to Burning Issue. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah, brother. Thank you for having us. Ismail, from your side, have you been in contact with quite a few people who wanted to go on Umrah and you've, of course, now had to tell them that they cannot go? I mean, how many people have been affected from your side? Uh, yes, brother, we have. In fact, um, just did a count uh, between a few of, of uh, the officers in, the, in South Africa. The count stands at about uh, 3,000 plus pilgrims between uh, the 29th of February and until the end of March. Mm-hmm. Now, listener 5687 is saying, realistically thinking, there is a big possibility that the Ramadan Umrah as well as, 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 well as Hajj could be affected. Uh, then again, we cannot force what Allah is protecting us from. That is the listener's comment. And of course, we had Shaheen giving us the Islamic uh, input there as well, you know, because amidst all the hysteria, people could get angry and they could blame this one and that one. But the fact of the matter is there's a virus. But Shaheen, yeah, I mean, realistically, this could affect Umrah uh, in Ramadan even, depending on you how know, I, I want to I want to stress the point that I'm going to make now. And I think we mustn't get ahead of ourselves. As much as we understand that this is a problem, this is a worldwide problem, we're reading about it all the time. There's a tremendous amount of media hype around it as well. And it's a reality. There's no question about that. But alhamdulillah, we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be protector of humanity in this particular regard and to grant us the ability that we do not let our minds run amok and run ahead of ourselves. If we start creating a pandemic or an epidemic or we create panic in our community, it's going to be to the detriment of everybody. Whether you have South involved, whether you have Samta involved or Satawa involved or the authorities, whatever the circumstances is going to be is by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to make sure that we wait for information to come through before we decide how we're going to do this. Internally, we are already discussing a process in the event something should happen, how do we basically outline this and how do we unroll it and unfold that particular situation? If you go back a few years, for example, we had a quota of 2,500. They decreased the quota by 20% around the world, which means 500 people that were accredited had to come off the system. We managed a process through that and alhamdulillah, we came through it all, you know, without any glitches and without any problem. But I do think people need to understand that we must not panic about Hajj. Hajj is still quite a long way down the road, and a lot can happen in terms of preventative processes and structures around what is happening. I'm in touch with a group in South Africa that is very close to the um, you know, um, Communicable Diseases um, Center. And uh, you know, one of them is a doctor that's obviously on your show, Dr. Salim Parker. And together with Dr. Salim, we've got a COVID-19 uh, you know, chat group where all the necessary information from doctors, professors, professors and others is basically disseminated along those lines. So more information becomes available, more information will become available to the public. But the message out here right now is 
We should not panic about things. We should go about things in preparation for Hajj 1441 in the manner that we would in any other way. If it means that we are prevented from going, we will deal with that as we get to that particular juncture and that particular point. And alhamdulillah, we have the buy-in of SAMTA, SATOA, and all the operators that are under those two umbrellas that we will work together to make sure that there is nothing that happens to any of the hujjad from a financial point of view. In the same way that the Saudi authorities have basically come out with giving, talking about giving refunds for visas and issued that have not been utilized, the same process will unfold in Hajj. And therefore, I think it is imperative. Let us just sit back. Let us wait. Alhamdulillah, South Africa at this point in time is still COVID-19 free. We make dua that Allah keeps it this way. Because if they block people from countries that do have COVID for Hajj, it may mean that they give us an extra you know, few thousand for our people to go and perform Hajj during that particular period. So there's pros and there's cons. But no panic needs to happen at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, I look, I just want to state this very clearly. And I think it needs to be said explicitly. And I'm, I'm going to do this via a question format to Shane. Shane, does the coronavirus mean, or, or let's rather, let me ask him more, more specifically, will anybody who has a visa to go on Hajj, Will they lose their visa or not? I want us to just to make it very explicit for our listeners because that is how people will, that's how we can ensure that people will not be misinformed and the wrong message gets out. Let's hypothetically put something into perspective. Okay, and we're talking hypothetics here. We're not talking reality. We're talking hypothetics. If people do not get to go for Hajj this year, then they will go back into the system as they were last year and we will have the process roll out again in the future years. So from a perspective of where you are, if your accreditation is basically taken away from you now, you don't get penalized with points, you don't lose your 1,500 rand that you pay to South, that goes back to you. We've already had cancellations come through after the close of process, and people are getting their refunds back. So nobody will be left out of pocket. Nobody will be left wanting. Nobody will go to the back of the queue in this particular situation from the current 3,430 people that we have accredited on the system at the moment. But again, premature discussion. Let us evade that discussion at this point in time. Let's concentrate on Umrah. Let's concentrate on the current temporary banning of people coming in for Umrah to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And let's see how this is going to unfold, given the information from around the world relating to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the important message to go. Yeah, I think I'm going to let Shaheen go for now. Shaheen, President of the South African Hajj and Umrah Council, shukran so much for your time on Burning Issue this evening. Pleasure is always mine. Jazakallah khairan for the opportunity. Assalamu alaikum to your guests in studio and to Ismail in Durban. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all the listeners of the VOC. Alaikum salam, Shaheen. So I want to focus on the travel questions that listeners have. So listener 9218 has said, will travel insurance not cover an incident like this? And this is a question for Sadiq or Ismail. Either one can answer. <coughs> Ismail, are you with us? Yes, brother, I'm here. Yeah. So the listener wants to know, what about travel insurance? Will, will you not be covered by travel insurance in an incident like this? And of course, we are talking about people who, who have also felt that they lost money you know, from flying, for example, to uh, Dubai, and were then told they needed to turn around and come back home. 
Yes, so travel insurance would cover you for um, delays in travel and for situations like this, Mm. but it all depends on the type of insurance or depending on the policy wording that the... um, Mutamirin uh, has in the uh, you know in the insurance in insurance we always um, promote um, travel insurance for our pilgrims. So yes, it is quite important, and they just need to go back to the broker or to the agent who will be able to give them a little bit more information. Inshallah. Mm-hmm. Um, Shai, uh, Sadiq, anything from your side on that? Yeah, I think it's important that um, we stress this point that it's becoming more and more important. Um, to, to to sell travel insurance at this stage, um, I think you know one one of the issues we have at the moment is where people has booked to go um, later in March, um, but uh, you know the insurance hasn't kicked in. If there are any losses on that side, I say if there are any. I'm not saying that there will be, but if there are any losses on that side, you know that that, that might be a question with regards to whether the in- travel insurance actually applies. But um, it's becoming more and more important. Um, you know, to sell travel insurance to, uh, to, to would-be travelers. Yeah, I mean, especially if you stand to lose thousands of rands. Yes, of course. The other thing we must also just, um, you know, look at is the, I mean, the, there's two insurance policies that we buy within the Umrah uh, visa as well, which is the health one and, and, and a kind of a travel one. And I think we need to uh, study it in more detail, look, in, look at the terms and conditions and see what is covered there as well, because that is a requirement from the kingdom at the moment. Yeah, Christophe, let's go for an ad break. When we come back, we'll answer some more questions. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are talking about the coronavirus and how it's impacting on Umrah, the pilgrimage that Muslims go on, also referred to as the small hajj. So what's happening tonight is we're talking to various people involved in the uh, travel industry. We are now going to welcome Shahid Davids and he's the owner of New Age Travels. Is that correct? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi That's correct, uh, Yazid, and walaikum salam to our listeners. So, Shahid, we've been talking to different travel operators and also people who are the oversight bodies of um, the travel agents. Can you give us an update from your side? How many people have had to cancel the Umrah trips via your agency because of the coronavirus? Um, uh, look, our situation is twofold. Um, uh, we had a group that traveled uh, on the uh, 26th of February that left. That was 29 uh, Mutamirun. And uh, they were the people that were unfortunately told, you know, uh, devastatingly, uh, that they need uh, to return back to South uh, Africa because of the suspension uh, that was put in place by the Saudi uh, authority. Right? And then uh, we have uh, future... Uh, Mutamirun uh, that will also be leaving, intending to leave uh, during uh, March. Um, uh, we have um, very minimal cancellations. Um, I think uh, only three, three cancellations out of uh, about 100 people uh, thus far. Everybody stay, uh, you know, still positive. You know that uh, Allah will grant them uh, uh, the opportunity to reach. Uh, 
Okay, so the people who have, um, or the people who are intending to go, I mean, basically they just put their travel plans on freeze and they could take it up in future. Is that what you are telling them? Yes, uh, look, um, uh, um, again, twofold. Uh, February, uh, the people that couldn't enter, they, they burning desire, right? They burning desire. I like the name of your program, the burning desire is for them, you know, to still uh, uh, reach uh, Paitula. Um, they do have a challenge, and uh, the challenge is, you know, um, uh, you know, with the uh, flight that they've uh, used. Uh, obviously, it's not their fault. It's not uh, Emirates' fault. But uh, we are motivating, uh, you know, we're busy with the motivation uh, to get a reimbursement for them. So that is in the pipeline. Uh, then, uh, secondly, our uh, people that haven't left yet, they're in a very good position, right? The reason why is, like the other speakers has mentioned, uh, we have uh, put uh, um, uh, plans into place. Uh, for instance, the um, hotels, right, uh, that is uh, all secured. And obviously, if you've uh, selected a five-star uh, upgraded hotel, uh, then what most of these hotels do is they keep a credit, right? Then also our standard package, uh, Alhamdulillah, uh, we've got a very good understanding, you know, with our suppliers. Um, so for our February people and for our March people and future uh, people, um, that won't be an issue. And then also, like you mentioned, uh, the visa is uh, refundable. Uh, the people that uh, travel in February, uh, they did mention that they've got to have an electronic uh, mechanism in place. We've checked that mechanism is not um, uh, uh, alive yet. It's not uh, in working yet, but uh, we're watching that space, uh, uh, inshallah. Then on, uh, on, on, on the, the flight side, um, uh, Emirates, Emirates today confirmed that they will refund everybody um, uh, that's traveling uh, up to the 15th of March and uh, before that, right? So if you travel uh, like a tomorrow or and up to the 15th, you will be refunded in full. Um, uh, but when it comes 15th of March, um, uh, that policy changes. Uh, those that want to cancel after the 15th, say 16, you're telling the 16, 17, 18, um, your ticket will still be valid. They will keep the ticket open, right? Uh, but if you do cancel, and then there will be a cancellation fee, right? But um, uh, these things can change, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, discussed on a daily basis. I think what's very important for us is to ensure that all pilgrims and all people who want to go on Umrah understand all these processes. Because mm -hmm. we are getting messages from people who are concerned about the financials, the losses, and so on. I mean, in fact, I've got someone who wants to speak to us about having um, lost some money via, apparently, your company. I'm not sure if you want to address that or not. Yes, look, I'm, I'm open. There's nothing to hide. And, uh, you know, we can talk about it. Um, of course, this is a burning issue uh, program, and we can only get uh, empowered, you know, uh, facing the challenge and challenges and the road to success is, is, is never smooth. Yeah, you know, so so so, I mean, so, so, so you can uh, you can throw that at me; it's not, not a problem. Yeah, I mean, we got a message. I mean, I'm, I was trying to get them on the phone because they've. They, I know that they've been trying to phone us in the studio, but they sent a WhatsApp message. And mm -hmm. they were saying that they are one of 29 Tamirun that traveled with Emirates 
on the yes. 26th through through the through the agents yeah. and um they they were turned away but they need to understand why they were asked to pay an extra 9000 rand i mean is yes. this something that you can clear up for them because obviously oh. these things come up in in other media as well yeah very easily and very swiftly we can clear it up you know uh, a lot of people um uh, unfortunately or I would say some of our people are not good listeners, right? It's not good listeners. Um, uh, so they want to listen what they want to listen to, but they're not listening to the facts. We had a, a meeting on Sunday, right, at Majul Bakr. Uh, we have our classes there every Sunday at 3 p.m. We invited everybody, right, everybody, the people of February, and uh, all our current people at Masal Travel and future travelers, right, everybody was there. So everybody, uh, you know, had opportunity uh, to speak their mind. Um, uh, what What is actually meant by the 9,000 is worst-case scenario, right? Worst-case scenario. Say, for instance, our attempts, right, to get reimbursement from the uh, authorities or the uh, suppliers, right? Then I painted them a worst-case scenario. Um, uh, you know, if the desire is there, and you can afford it and then um, uh, what we can do the least we can, we can do is we can come up with a, a ticket price of nine thousand rand that's that's what uh, where the nine thousand issue comes from right? i mean so i think it's really important yeah. rand, yes. mm-hmm. i just think it's really important if people are going to be airing these views on other platforms because they will you know mm-hmm. people do talk and yeah. that's why i'm giving you a chance as the agent to of course speak to the issue they've sent yeah. us a message they've wanted to come on air and i think it's very important that 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 we have spoken about this on air alhamdulillah no no i'm glad you you've actually voiced that uh, because we open for anything, anything. Because we only look. Uh, our focus is just to channel uh, the mutamirun, uh, you know, to uh, to the to the house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We've got no other, uh, you know, uh, items on our agenda, you know, and we are there in the interest, you know, of the the guest of Allah. Because you know, we are the agents of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So this this look, uh, we fear Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and uh, yes, and if. Uh, 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 um, a Mutamirun or any traveler uh, have a uh, uh, issue, um, uh, you know, we don't stand in their way. They can uh, go to professional people to assist them. And I'm sure when, you know, when we are approaching you know, that will also assist us, you know, because, um, uh, you know, when you are criticized, you know, that is also a bonus, you know, because you, uh, it's good to be criticized and you can see where you can actually improve yourself as well. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to leave it um, with Shahid Davids, and he's the owner of New Age Travels. Shukran so much for joining us this evening on Burning Issue. And, and I must compliment you on your, your program, Alhamdulillah. And uh, yes, um, look, at the, 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 the uh, 29 packs, um, you know, they were really devastated. For many of them, it's, it's the first time, uh, you know, and we make to our, inshallah, that a resolution, you know, to assist them you know, welcome the way, inshallah, with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But like you said earlier on, uh, we must stay positive all the time, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and with that, we say shukran to Shai David, shukran for your time on Burning Issue. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamal. In this evening, we have been talking about the coronavirus and its impact on Umrah. We have a call on the line. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Burning Issue. You are live on air. Hello. Yes, you are live on air, caller. Yes. Yeah, uh, um, my question is regarding the 9,000 rand. Right? Um, what upset me was that in the very first meeting, it wasn't ever mentioned to say that they were going to try and rain for us or get our money back. Is the caller's radio it on? Is the caller, yes. caller, caller, is your radio on? Oh, uh, yes, it is. Yes. Can you please switch your radio off because we're getting okay. feedback and we can't okay. hear you very clearly. What, what we would have liked to have heard from the from, uh, from the Shahid was that he would try to get our money back for us. But immediately he told us that we are liable to pay the 9000 If we're going to pay the 9000 what happened to our, to our ticket that we already bought? Because surely, if we're going to be charged for something, we just travel from Cape Town to Dubai. When we were in Dubai, I specifically asked the people, was paying for our trip back, and they ensured that the English was paying back. So what happened to the other part of the ticket? Yeah, look, I mean, at this point, I think it's going to be very important that you pick it up uh, or rather take it up with um, with um, Shahid because he was on air and he explained, you know, I've asked him the questions. We've, he's explained it. And I think at this stage, it's a matter that that the um, the pilgrims will have to take up with the travel agent. And of course, we do have um, uh, oversight bodies. In fact, we've got someone in the studio um he is siddiq Stiernkamp. he is from satoa he's a chairperson do you have any comment on the siddiq while we have the the pilgrim on air yes bismillahirrahmanirrahim those are specific cases where uh, a ticket had been used already and uh, it will be important that uh, inshallah ta'ala the Ma'atamirin with uh, the, the travel agent sit with emirates and make sure that they find common ground somewhere at this stage i mean i mean i'm not able to say yes it is totally refundable or not it is something which has to be uh, negotiated uh, with with the airline okay do you have oh. another question uh, caller yes i do okay if it so happens that we do not get refunded hypothetically speaking is it not right that the travel agent should also take a loss for, 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 for the losses that are being incurred? Because I normally I'm sure it's a business. You know, in a business, a customer never takes the knock. It's always the retailer and the wholesaler. But in this case, you know, it sounds like, like we, we are the customers. We, we're going to have to take a knock if it doesn't get granted. I, I, I just think that that's not right. Again, you know, I, I, I think, you know, in a case like this, especially where, uh, in, in this unfortunate case where, where the 29 Tamarine travel already, um, and, and yes, I, you know, we do feel, uh, you know, for the Tamarine who's traveled and, and, and has not been able to, you know, to reach Makkah Medina, uh, that they sit down with Shahid, sit down with Emirates and see, uh, you know, how, how we can find common ground so that everybody is happy. Again, you know, I, I think, you know, compromise should be found somewhere, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. Okay. Okay, shukran to our caller. And of course, um, our lines are open throughout the show. In fact, we are going to be breaking soon for the Wakta Vishai. I will just share the numbers with you um, for after when we come 
we, when we come back, um, we have 30 seconds left, but you can phone us again after the show. Save the number after after um, the Ishai break, sorry. The number on air is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to 072-238-0712. We are talking coronavirus and its impact on Umrah. from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back to the last few minutes of The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we have been talking about the coronavirus and its impact on people who want to go to Saudi Arabia for for Umrah. And we of course know from um, news reports and also from the Saudi Arabian government that um, they will not be issuing visas for people to go on Umrah. So um, we do have some more feedback from listeners via the WhatsApp line. The number, the WhatsApp number is 072-238-0712 if you want to send us a message. You can also phone us live on air. The number is 021-442-3530. Um, let's look at some of the messages that have come in. Listener 0115 says, The coronavirus is not going to go away anytime soon. Hujaj must be informed that coronavirus is a health risk and should consider cancelling or doing Hajj at another time. Let the Hujaj make informed choices, please. Then we have a message from listener 0336 on the matter between one of the travel agents and pilgrims who, were to- who had returned without performing Umrah. The listener says, Assalamu alaikum to all. I too was in the meeting on Sunday with Shahid. He was very helpful and tried to help us where he could. The caller who phoned in misunderstood Shahid as there were people that came late and did not hear the whole story. He ex- what Shahid explained on E is exactly what he explained to us on Sunday. So that's of course a matter between pilgrims and people who wanted to go on Umrah rather and a travel agent. And then we have a message from listener 0542 saying, A friend of mine recently traveled and returned last Wednesday. One of the countries she and her husband traveled to was Malaysia. Now the funny thing is her close family do not want them to attend any functions. They were invited to a wedding this weekend but were told to please stay away and they should be for a month in quarantine. Even though they were checked at Dubai airport and the military also checked them here. What myth is this that they are going to infect others? Do others feel this way? My response to that is that earlier in the show you may have heard an interview with Keith Kluter, the incoming head of the Western Cape Health Department. He had said that very strict uh, procedures are in place at at the borders, particularly at the two airports, where people are checked for the virus and, uh, you know, they would be quarantined if there were any traces. Now, if, if, if... the persons who travel to Malaysia were not kept back by the authorities, then it would make sense that they are not infected with the virus. So, Sadiq, let's come back to um, any remarks and thoughts from yourself. Yes, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I just want to reiterate that um, no Umrah visas would be would be issued um, at, at this point, and we do not know. Uh, when uh, the suspension would be uplifted. So even if people are going to go on Umrah, call it later in the month, 
And I'm aware of people who's going to first on tour, for example, they go to Egypt, they go to Aqsa, they go to Jordan, and from there they go for Umrah. And, you know, the advice is that um, if you do not have an Umrah visa or the suspension is not lifted, not to leave South Africa. Because you never know if, if the intention is for Umrah um, and you travel to these countries and within the next, you know, 10 days or two weeks, the suspension is not lifted, uh, you might get stuck in those countries and you have to come back. So those are things that people need to need to understand. And, uh, you know, you are safer here but in But it's in not South logical. Africa. This doesn't sound logical to travel to another country and think that you would be able to go from there to Saudi Arabia if you did not get a visa to enter Saudi Arabia. It just you, doesn't make any sense. Do people do that? You know, people have all sorts of, of, uh, of, of, of arrangements in place. And, and, and shall we hope that this... Uh, uh, suspension is lifted soon but I just want to advise people who are going on Omra that if if the suspension is not lifted not to leave the country and wait in another country uh, you know for your visa because it, it, it could take any time and of course if you're, in, if you're stuck in another country it can be very expensive um, and, and then you have to return so I think it's important and, and we've said this to all Tamirin at the moment that in terms of Umrah, Umrah is cancelled at the moment until further notice. We have also instructed all our companies not to market, not to sell any Umrah uh, until we know what is happening. So you are not to sell any Ramadan, anything uh, until we know exactly what is happening because also we do not want to build up expectation that people are saying that yes, you know, we might be able to go on the 1st of April or whenever date. I think uh, as, as, as travel agents, we need to be responsible. We need to talk to our clients out there. We need, to make, and we need to ensure that we do the right thing. And the right thing at the moment is not um, to travel uh, if you do not have a visa. Okay. Um, how do you ensure, how can the public contact your oversight body? I mean, you are essentially a body that ensures... Uh, fair practice and fair trade within the travel agent fraternity, particularly people who sell Hajj and Umrah packages. Now, we do know that issues do come up between travelers and pilgrims and agents. Yes. So if someone is approached by an, an, an agent who wants to sell them an Umrah or Hajj package, how can they, who do they report this person to? I'm going to leave uh, all our information here at the studio yeah. um, so that uh, any, in any perspective, Mutamarin that uh, wants to contact us and be it for advice or anything, uh, they can contact our, our Secretary General, Rafik Harris, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave all his information here. And then uh, leave phone numbers and email addresses. And inshallah, ta'ala, that would be the best way to, to get hold of us. Yeah. I mean, listeners, if you do find anyone contacting you to sell you a package for Hajj and Umrah in this period, please also do let the radio station know. We do have a news department. We can follow up and investigate any, any such uh, incidents. Um, of course, the number at the studio, or rather the office number is 021442. Two three five double zero. That is zero two one four four two three five double zero. Nobody should be selling you a package at this time to go on Umrah or Hajj. So Sorry, can I just come in there? Not Hajj. We're talking Umrah at the moment. Okay, so we'll we'll yeah we'll focus on on the Umrah at the moment because in future the travel ban might be lifted. That's, yes, inshallah. The there's 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 nothing with regards to Hajj at the moment. Hajj is uh, going on as it is, but at this stage, Umrah. 
uh, is suspended. Mm-hmm. So we're almost wrapping up. And listener 1678, and this is such a beautiful note to end off on. Listener 1678 is sending us a message which that reiterates the message from Shaheen Esop, who is the president of the South African Hajj and Umrah Council. And the listener said, says, Assalamu alaikum, Yazid. It's really a burning issue. Last night in the Hajj class, Sheikh said, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if there's a plague in a place, do not go there. And if you are in the plague area, stay there until the plague is cleared. Do not insist to go for Umrah. There are five cases in Jeddah postponed till later. After the end of March, do not let the operator sweet talk you and convince you to go in March. Do not hand any monies to the accredited operators. There are no guarantees that your money will be refunded. Shukran for an excellent program. Well, that's a brilliant message. Shukran to you for listening, for tuning into Burning Issue. Um, let me greet my guest, uh, Sadiq. Salaamu alaikum. Shukran for coming in. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. We make dua asallahu ta'ala to make it easy for us, inshallah ta'ala. And that, uh, inshallah, for those who are affected by this virus, our thoughts and our du'as are particularly with those people who are affected by the virus. And that's it. And from myself, Yazid Kamaldin, Assalamu alaikum. I'll be back next week again, inshallah, with another burning issue. Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.